Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry MTG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. That's me. And Gable Nassif. Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Another week, another set of Modern Horizons 2 testing. Yes, we're going to be focusing all on modern this episode. There's been some modern challenges. What? I thought you said we're focusing on modern all episode. Well, 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 well. well. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, well, well. Is it not another week and another set of Modern Horizons 2 deck lists to break down? Uh, obviously, over the past week, we've all been focusing on Modern as that's the best thing to be doing right now with the new cards officially out on uh, Magic Online and stuff like that. So... We're going to be breaking those down. We're also going to be talking about the two modern challenges that happened over the past week. And I believe we're only going to be getting into modern today. Uh, so, yeah, that's about it. But before we get into the episode, as always, we're brought to you by Card Market, sponsor of the podcast. They're an online marketplace to buy anything card game related. So go check them out um, at cardmarket.com. Anyways, would you like to support the podcast, though? Personally, you can do that at patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. I'm completely off the train tracks because I'm not well, well, welling, but I guess we should just jump straight into it. Someone take it over me. What are we talking about to start with in modern? Well, I thought that we would start with looking at the challenge results because this is um, there were challenges last weekend with Modern Horizons, and you know, we, we saw the kind of first kind of breakthrough of decks with like full as a saga and the affinity decks and these food decks but now everyone's got a chance to get their hands on the cards the price of ragavan's dropped a little bit or the at least the availabilities uh picked up and so we've kind of got a more representative of the impact of modern horizons set of top eights this week so am i looking at the right one i'm looking at june 13th that'll be the saturday challenge uh, why don't we, we'll start with the Saturday challenge and just kind of go down and tell us what we think about decks. So in first place, we have Thunderstriker 7 playing Jeskai Monkey Blade, which is, uh, so it's basically Jeskai, Jeskai Tempo deck. It has four Ragavan and four Stoneforge Mystic, along with Archmage's Charm, Counterspells, Cryptic Commands, Force of Negation, four Lightning Bolt, a bunch of Prismatic Endings, and a few Planeswalkers, and then a bunch of equipment to go with the Stoneforge Mystic. They have the, uh, the Batterskull, the Kaldara Complete, and the, and the Sword of Feast and Famine. Uh, there's a whole bunch of... The sideboards, you know, got a bunch of... A mixture of Rest in Pieces, Path to Exile, Stony Silence, uh, some Narsets and this sort of stuff. But this deck is something that we're probably going to talk a bit more about in depth later because we've spent a lot of time playing it. But just off the bat, I think this is kind of... This, kind of, this got, got, got my mouth my mouth watering. This is exactly what I like to be doing, playing Magic. Uh, I'm a Stoneforge Mystic Apologist and Tragic. And I think the addition of Ragavan is just another great way of kind of emphasize getting getting out on board early and getting ahead and then protecting it with with interaction. Do you want to talk about it now? Or do you want to talk about it later? In terms of talk about uh, it now, I guess might as well. I think probably the right time to talk about it now. So, Gab, you played this in the challenge on the Sunday, right? And you made a few a few adjustments to the deck, but one one in year and kind of give us you give us your, your quick take on it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was actually. Um, ninth on Saturday, I came in ninth. I played my my living in deck and uh, Thunder Striker. I think he won his last round, and if he loses, I make top eight on breakers. Anyways, he he makes it at seven one, and then he he goes through the top eight beating Nev, beating 
Claudio H on Black Green Yagmas and beating Mill in the finals. And um, yeah, I mean, the deck's kind of straightforward. It's, I think the build is clever. The mana base is all blue lands. That's one thing to note. You have 20 free lands, 20 free blue sources. And the mana is not perfect. You only have 16 red, 13 white, I think. And one of it comes into play tap. So you do get some awkward hands, but basically Ragavan on the play, super strong. Stoneforge Mystic, pretty good in, in most matchups. The new the new equipment is is very good. The not always, but I know the very the very first game I played with this deck was really cool. I got paired against food. I just played Stoneforge. I got the Caldra complete and they just couldn't beat it. They had, you know, feasting troll kings, tokens from Urza Saga. Eventually I got a batter skull. I think I equipped Batter Skull on the Caldra complete to have a 9-9 Vigilance, Indestructible, Trample, First Strike, Lifelink, First Strikes creatures to death. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they can literally not be that card. They, even after sideboard, the equipment itself is indestructible. So, so, so I've had I've had it, I've had my my creature be killed by food. They uh they use Urza Saga to go get uh shadow spear and shadow spear makes permanence you control is indestructible and they killed it with uh two food from the unpronounceable card oh yeah yeah most a lot of lists played at a one shadow spear that's a good point maybe yes. i was in trouble then maybe i was not as safe as i thought i was or uh, if you make it a nine nine i think it's reasonably safe yeah. and that, that's actually closing the game out mine was kind of playing defense at that point in time so they had a bit of time to assemble things but I've actually been really impressed with Caldera Complete as well. Like I didn't. I think when we were, we did the set reviews, we were saying, oh, you know, doesn't actually have lifelink. It's, you know, probably like the third equipment you want. But you know, most of the SoFor decks we have we've seen at the moment have the third equipment in there, and it is a really good card against against food, like you said. Like it really can just either brick wall them or put a lot of pressure on them. And the fair decks actually have a really tough time interacting with it. Not only is the creature indestructible, the equipment is also indestructible. So it's really hard to get off the table without access to kind of like a bounce effect or uh, you know a prismatic ending for the token or whatnot. So it can really put a clock on people if you've got a bit of mana up to protect it as well. So I've been yeah, not not a card I expected to to like as much as I as I do. Yeah, and you do get to seven mana between the draw from Archmage Charm, the maybe treasure tokens from Ragavan, etc. Casting these battle skulls, even casting Caldera complete can happen. And yeah, the the, the deck, uh, you know, I assume they would maybe struggle against something like Lavadart and Lightning Bolt, but in the challenge, I I didn't face any of that. Deck played out nicely for me. You get you get some free wins, obviously. Turn like Ragaman on the play is obscene. You have Bolt and Ending to protect it, or get it through. You have Force of Negation to protect it, and I think this deck uses Ragavan well because of a card like Jace and, and the card draw. A lot of, you know, maybe the Ragavan decks have a really low curve, so kind of one-dimensional, whereas this deck is is not, so it's a nice, you know, nice nice card. I, I think, you know, Ragavan's design is probably not great, just snowballing one drop when you're on the play, especially, and uh, not, not always great on the draw. It's pretty swingy. It even has dash. The dash has been really relevant. Yep, I completely agree. I didn't expect it to dash it as much as I have been, but with in a deck like this, with like you know cheap one mana and two mana plays, you know either into either proactive or or reactive plays, 
being able to just, you know, dash, make a mana, it just essentially costs one mana anyway to dash. It just doesn't give you the benefit of making mana on that, you know, of, of snowballing mana in that, in that respect. But, you know, I've, you know, I dashed it way more than I expected to, and it's been really good, mostly just for its mana-making abilities. I've probably cast spells on it, like, two or three times, but I just make mana and hold up protection while yeah, exactly. I'm fancying my, my position. Yeah, it's been, again, like, like you said, it's really snowball-y and pretty unpleasant to play against on the draw, <laughs> in the dark especially. It, this is something that I found myself doing, and, you know, in my second league, it actually... Uh, was the undoing of me, but I've been mulliganing a lot on the play with this deck. I've been just going for Ragavan, and it doesn't matter. I just got five cards, and just it was really like it's good enough on the on the play at five cards to just, to, to take take over the game. It doesn't really matter that you're down down two against your opponent. So yeah. I, that's a strategy that I kind of been employing. And then in my second league, I just mulliganed the four four games in a row because I just <laughs> threw back my kind of like you know, my, my my perfectly reasonable but not great. Opener <laughs> and just like yeah, four cards it is. I almost won a four cards twice though. Yeah, that makes sense because London Mulligan we've mentioned it going down to six. I, I think is not a big deal for almost any deck in any matchup. When you go down to five, it becomes tricky. Now you have to decide between you know you have to kind of play the guessing game between keeping the third land, keeping the third spell, and a lot of time it's kind of a coin flip, so there's not even a super clear answer. But uh, yeah, Ragavan good. The dash is nice with Teferi Time Raveler. You get in these spots where if you have Teferi Time Raveler and you just dash your Ragavan every turn, they don't even get to use their Fatal Push or their Removal. That came up once or twice for me. That was a cool interaction. And um, yeah, I pretty much just played the the list, the exact same list uh, on Sunday because I didn't have too much time to think about it. I just cut the subtleties, all the subtleties from the sideboard and played a couple Ether Gusts. Um, a few other changes. Uh, I ended up going five and two, timing out the last round against the eventual winner on Band Ephemerate. I was I was impressed with the deck. It was it was very solid. I wasn't super blown away. I played another league with it. After that, I went five zero, but I think I got a lot of good matchups. I actually added an Eldrazi to my sideboard for the mill matchups. You know, if they mill it, you get to reshuffle your whole deck, and I got paired twice against mill in that league. So. Um, you know, my streak of being undefeated against Mill was a cause like in my sideboard is, is still alive. I actually lost both game ones, won all the sideboard games. Just really hard for them to beat. And I think people don't bring in Lantern when they should. They still have Surgical, but I think Lantern's much better because... This is out of the sideboard of Mill, you mean? Yeah, because you get to exile the Eldrazi and all the cards, so you, they still have a small library and... Surgical doesn't do anything once they have Teferi Time Raveler out. If they have Teferi Time Raveler out and you're only out to Eldrazi as Surgical, you're pretty much screwed. So, um, yeah, that was kind of freebies. And I played another league and I went 0-2 drop. I got paired finally against Is It Prowess. Thunderstriker actually beat it a bunch in his run, but I assumed the matchup wouldn't be great and it wasn't. I was trying to figure out if I wanted... For some negation or Ragavan. So in game two, I was on the draw and I decided to board out all the Ragavans to have force. I think that made sense. And then on the play, Thunderstriker was actually in chat. I asked him what he thought and he thought Ragavan was better, even though it trades with a Lavadard. That's kind of a tempo play, you know, forced them to use Lavadard on turn one instead of playing a creature. Ended up doing that. I think I wish I had four some negations instead of Ragavans in these games, but, you know, my hand wasn't super good. And then I lost to, I lost to something else like, fairly badly matchup that didn't didn't feel super great but um 
Yeah, I think the deck's not busted or anything. I think it uses Ragavan fairly well. And I think the current iteration is pretty pretty good, honestly. I'm not sure what you would change. Obviously, you could like cut Stone Forge Mystic, uh, you know, kind of take a, another counter Ragavan route. There's tons of Ragavan builds out there, but um Yeah, why don't yeah. we um why don't we just start talking about that for a little bit? This, this is not the only direction you could take a kind of blue red base of of a ragavan deck i know that i think i think aspiring spike have been playing a lot of that recently we are maybe substituting the stoneforge mystics for something like dragon rage channel I, harry have you had a chance to check out his stream or play any with that with that straight blue red version yeah i think i mentioned it last week but i played two leagues with um a full-on delver style deck with ragavan and dragon rage channel and i thought that was good but i was just thinking about this Stoneblade deck, are you actually playing it because Ragavan fits the game plan? Are you playing because it's so good you, you you know, you can't afford not to, like Uro kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I guess both. Um, I think if you're playing Day's Red deck and you have ways to protect or get your Ragavan free, you should play Ragavan, even though I've seen lists of decks that don't play Ragavan. They have other one drops. They have the Prowess one drop. We we're talking about Spike. He was playing a Moderate Phoenix deck that looked pretty good yesterday. And he was just playing Channeler and the two Prowess creatures and no Ragavan because he only wanted 12, 12 one drops, despite the fact he has all these burn spells. But maybe just burn spells not enough. Maybe you need a combination of removal plus discard and counter. And, um, it's unclear, right? The card was still 60 ticks, still 60 ticks. So maybe people have not getting gotten their hands on them uh, yet. I think last week there was zero or one Ragvan deck in the top eight of both challenge combines. I'm not sure why it was this week, but um, yeah, the the the, the deck got gets free wins. You know, I got paired against Ad Nauseam. I was on the play with a Ragavan game felt. Pretty unlosable. I even hit a Thoughtseize. One card I wanted to talk about that wasn't in the original list is Wear Tear. It's never a card I've been a, a huge fan of, but I think Wear Tear is really well positioned right now. If you look at most decks that have artifacts, they also have enchantments, whether it's Hammer Time, you get the Sigarda's Aid and you know either the creature or the equipment. You've got Amulet Titan, Amulet and Dryad. You've got Hardened Scales, Obviously, enchantment and artifacts. So I think that card's super well positioned right now. Stony sounds are a bit awkward, and they don't they don't do much against Urza Saga. You can also just I didn't even realize really you can just disenchant Urza Saga. Whether it was wear tear, you know, when I was playing Living In, I was playing the the green evoke creature, and I didn't even like realize you could you know naturalize a saga until it came up in one of my games, and chat pointed it out. So um. I think Warrior is a really cool addition to that sideboard. And um Yeah, no, just just one of the shells. Uh as I said, I expected I think the worst worst possible matchup would probably be Monored. Uh just Monored Bloodman, right? Monored Prowess. Not only do they have the, the, the Lavadarts and the bolts for your creatures, but Blood Moon just beats you. Like any Blood Moon deck is gonna be pretty tough. You do have Force of Negation. Another downside of this deck is just Veil of Summer. Anytime you're playing these counterspells, Force of Negation, Cryptic decks, Veil of Summer is going to be, uh, you know, a thorn in your side. So 
you know, that's that's some of the the downsides. Yeah, I, I feel like I've seen a lot less Veil of Summers recently, I'm not going to lie. I think the only time I can remember it being cast against me was, like, by an Elves opponent or something. But, um, yeah, looking in second place, though, we have Mill in the challenge. Mill doing well. I guess it's time to load up our cyborgs with Kozlex, right? That's that's kind of the only analysis I get from this. Yeah. But, uh, playing four of the new Fractured Sanity, I think it's called, the one that cycles to Mill. One yeah. thing I want to know, I mean, that we'll not really get an answer to, is I wonder what the, you know, the ratio of hard casting to cycling is with this card. You know, because like with Shark Typhoon, you're never hard casting it, whereas this card, you know, I feel like you're more inclined to hard cast it, so then cycle it. So I'd be interested in that, but looking at the rest of it, it's kind of just a stock list, right? Yeah, they included Counterspell, Fractured Sanity, so two new, two new cards, and... um. You know, they're, they're on the, the surgical main plan. This list had two Crypt Incursion in the main deck. That's the one that exiles all the creatures and gains some life. I'm not sure if that card's always in the main, but yeah. Um, there was a, another mill deck in fourth place that actually played each, each other in the in the semis. And that version's not playing Counterspell. They're playing Glimpse and Snapcaster. So a couple, couple of directions you can go. I was not super surprised because... Mill was kind of hyped up on 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 my Twitter feed this week. You know, a lot of people posting their fivos saying Mill's really good right now, yada yada. So, you know, confirmed. And uh, as you said, one of the best answers to just have an Eldrazi in your sideboard. We've talked about it. It's about the the best value you can get out of your sideboard card. You don't need to draw it. You just need them to mill the mill it at some point. And even if they have surgical, a lot of the time the damage is done. You, it gives you enough time to 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 get them, so um, it's kind of tough for the male player without open decklist. You have to you, you just have to start bringing Soulgat Lantern in every matchup just in case, or you just hope Surgical is enough. And uh, yeah, some decks can't really play Emrakul, so I'm not sure. Like my my living end living end deck, for instance, or my no, living end living end. Uh, I played the matchup once, and I thought it would be bad, but it was actually really close. I guess it's still a bad matchup. Um, so there's some decks who can't really have uh, maybe that Emrakul, but um, yeah. I, like the, I like the way there's two, two directions that these, these two different mill decks have gone. When I, the inclusion of cards like Counterspell to, to you know, supplement Drowning the Locks kind of like it looks really nice on the surfaces in terms of having interaction, but that pushes the deck in this kind of semi-control route where like you're almost like a counterburn deck. And it really puts a lot of a lot of emphasis on you drawing visions from beyond and firing it off for draw three cards. I, I feel like whereas if you look at the, the fourth place deck list is kind of like a little bit more dense in its like amount of mill, so it's more like it looks more like a burn deck on the surface. Whereas when you start putting counter spells in the deck and cutting, cutting, uh, um, cutting just like raw raw numbers of mill cards, you're really quite quite reliant on drawing that drawing your card advantage spells. So there is like a little bit of give and take in terms of like what what direction you go and what the strengths and weaknesses are. They're not that big of a difference, right? One deck plays Glamps and one deck plays Fracture Sanity. Yeah, but one deck plays snap cut, three snap custom mages and the other deck plays four counter spells. And one deck has more fiddle push. The, the deck with counter spell has le- less fiddle push. I feel like from my side, I've always felt like it was a bit of a control deck. You know, they like mill you a bit and then they refill with Visions of Beyond. So they... To get that, that control-ish feel. It certainly gives you that, that 
it, feel, it feels a lot like that when you're you're on like in like the blue the blue mirror essentially yeah where like you're not just like trying to race to mill them so yeah. it probably gives you like a lot of percentage in one in one direction and takes a little bit away in the other yeah and where you want to position yourself is yeah, is where you want to be i do like that this one with uh the version with counterspell the choice of fractured sanity and going back to harry saying like i wonder how many times i cycle it this deck does feel a little bit more like it's shark typhoon like it really needs to keep the cards turn, turning over because it can be like interact 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 mill you mill you and fractured sanity plays both ways essentially where it can like be a burn spell if it needs to be but it also just kind of like just keeps you keeps keeps the game ticking forward and you and things progressing i really like it as a way to just cheaply you know one card enabler for um for drowning the lock as well, because like four milling four cards is enough to just basically make that a hard counter and hard and, and straight up terminate in most matchups, even if they're taking care of your your hedron crabs and ruin crabs. Yeah, that card does seem better than than glimpse to me. I think it might be, yeah. But yeah, this is it's definitely cool to see this kind of like resurgence, and it's been like yeah, like I said, I saw it all over my Twitter as well. So that's kind of like a, a big winner of the weekend is this. These mill decks. I think they also have a pretty good time against the the food as a saga decks. Yeah, you get, you even play like cards like Crypt Incursion in your main deck. <laughs> exactly, and just like but those decks, like while they're incredibly powerful, they're not very fast. They're not putting a huge clock on you immediately unless they get like yeah. a real bust uh, troll draw. So yeah, you kind of get get to take your time against them and and kill them on turn four or turn five without worrying too much about what they're actually doing because you're not trying to like take over the game at any point. Yeah, and in third place, we, we talked about it, it was um, Black Green Yarmoth. That deck's been pretty hyped up to. It got Gris the Hunger Tide out of the new set. It got Ignoble Hierarch, so two, two pretty big upgrades. Gris has been impressive, getting it, you know, Dodger Sweeper. It's good utility. Um, you know, most lists had one at first, so you could court for it if you needed to, or evolution for it. And Claudio had two, so I'm guessing he was impressed with the card. And uh, yeah, I mean, that deck's always been impressive to me. I I find the control matchups to be, you know, from the control side, it, it's tough. They have the, the early pressure, they have the undying creatures, they have the, the combo, the instant speed card of calling and whatnot. So was Grace on top of everything. They get a billion veils after sideboard. Good, good sideboard options, you know, Veil of Summer Endurance for a vigor. So super, super solid deck, super good deck. Yeah, uh, these things always look so mopey on the surface, and then you play against them, and they're like Young Wolf and the Strangle Root guys, and you're like, yeah. I know my cards line up very well here. When you're playing the control deck, you really have to be like ready to go over the top pretty, pretty quickly against this deck. But then they put pressure on both multiple axes, like you said, you know, yeah. a bit of pressure on board, taxing your removal spells, and then like. You know, you still got to worry about you know getting quarter call and for combos. Yeah, yeah. It it's a deck I never, a deck I don't really understand and can't really figure out particularly particularly well whenever I'm like playing against it or like trying to figure out what it's good against. Yeah, I think it's it didn't look super good against the the Jeskai deck. I was watching the, the semifinals and you you don't have removal for Ragavan and they have a lot of removal to clear the board. They have, you know, endings. It's pretty annoying for that deck, I guess. The Exile is nice. And the sword can be a bit scary. They got a lot of tools, so it was it was kind of a close game, I guess. But uh yeah, just just good good deck, I guess. I don't know if you guys have anything else to say about Tiagmas or if we should move on to the next one. 
right, what's next? Move, what's next? Next is Titan. I actually have not played against Titan a single time somehow, but another deck. Or I. It's actually in the fifth and sixth place list of both Titan decks. Yeah, and it's been hyped up too because of Urza Saga being able to get, you know, Amulet is the obvious one. Just slots super well in this deck, and it's, you know, been putting up the results. What are what are our opinions on Urza's Saga right now? Because it, I think last week is very, very powerful, but now it's kind of settled. Do we still think it's kind of borderline, or...? Um, I don't know. You, have, you kind of have answers. I had an Alpine Moon in the sideboard of uh, the Jeskai deck, and it was pretty good against that. For those of you who don't know, basically Blood Moon, Spreading Seas, Alpine Moon, um, they just kill Urza Saga, because basically how the rule works is that if it has no text anymore, it's a Saga, and it's the way the rule works, I think it assumes it has all its counters already. So since it's used, you know, since it's has all its counters, it's it's dead. I didn't explain that super well, but I, could, I don't think anyone could explain it super well. Um, yeah, it's just it's just the way the rules work. Yeah. 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 So you have like a bunch of cheap stone rings you can bring in against it. I, I've I, I killed it uh, with wear tear, fused wear tear, killing it, killing a construct and and the land a couple of times when I was playing. The Jeskai Ragavan deck. That was one of the changes I made. I put some wear tears in the sideboard, and they were pretty effective against those Saga. But at the same time, I still think it's very, very good, and puts a huge amount of pressure on any deck that's trying to trying to hold, keep its mana up, and and in, in, interact, kind of trade trade one for one with the opponent, and try and pull ahead through like you know some some kind of divination effects. Essentially, still really powerful there. Yeah, I saw some Nature's Claim in, in main decks. You know, cards like that. Most most decks Main deck have. Nature's claim. That is, yeah. That is just, a large concession. That just card. ninety, you know, old school magic main deck disenchant. No, I'm not saying I object, but it's not particularly. It's not. It's by current standards, it's not a sign of a particularly healthy environment. Well, well, um, yeah. I think it's cool when stuff ha- like that happens and. You know, you end up having these kind of cards that are maybe. Yeah, look, main I, I agree with you. I think it's cool when stuff like that happens. I just don't know how long it can happen for and have it still be cool. Yeah. So yeah, obviously this is like not a not a huge week for Urza Saga. It's not like it's like eight of the top eight. It's like taking a taking a bit of a downtick in terms of popularity. It's just in these Titan decks, and then in the eighth place eighth place deck of uh, of the challenges, one of these feasting troll king decks. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, three out of the three out of the top the top eight is not like absolutely dominant numbers, and not something completely un, unprecedented for like you know what is essentially the best card or one of the best cards in the new latest set. So yeah, maybe we're a little bit less pushy on it, but yeah, I, I still think it's very very good and just so so flexible and asking still asking so little of you. But it's not without its responses. You can't you can make make deck building decisions that make it less less powerful. I mean, at its core, it's still you know, a turn three, make a construct, turn four, make a construct. Like, that's not particularly busted in terms of gameplay patterns, but... Yeah, I'm kind of surprised there's just no Blood Moon decks in the top eight. If you look at the decks in the Blood Moon, they just... Or the top... Yeah, the the, the, the top eight decks, they just all fold to Blood Moon, like, pretty hard. Whether it's Five Color Niv, Amulet Titan, um, you know, deck with Urza Saga... 
I talked about the Jeskai deck. That deck probably just loses if you resolve a Blood Moon. So, oh, I had nah. a horrible time. I had a horrible time trying to beat a Blood Moon. I played against Red Red Green Ponza. Uh, Monkey does uh, Ragavan does get you out from underneath it though. That's a good point. Yeah, you can Ragavan dash dash Ragavan in, make a token, then cast Prismatic End because you just go like wide up the treasure. You've probably got maybe you've got an island in play because you're. You got some foresight, and then you just make a red mana and, and prismatic and the blood moon, but it's not it's not easy. Hey, uh, or you uh, just play blue moon. You yeah, could just maybe. Play, you could easily just play blue moon. I, agree. <laughs> I don't know how 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 would we know you you you're our blue moon player, Harry. You're the one supposed to, to figure that stuff out. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, yeah, I barely played any magic this week. I'm not gonna lie. So I've nothing to contribute. <laughs> Uh, What's the next deck though? Yeah, just one thing about that. The, the, the deck's a bit different. The 8th place deck, the Asmo deck. It has four Trail of Crumbs in the main. It's a card that some people had in their sideboard as a one or two of. But yeah, four in the main, no finale of Devastation, which, uh, you know, Doomwake's been working a lot on the deck and he really likes that card. The reason it's so good is because you just play it on two, you know, X equals zero, and you get to get uh, Asmo. Yeah, that's right, Abba. It's a pretty cool, yeah, exactly. That's a pretty cool interaction, and you know, Asma's one of the key cards of the deck. Um, one card that always impresses me. I mean, the whole deck impresses me when I play against it. I'm assuming it has some bad matchups because I'll lose to it badly whenever I'm like 06 in games against it was Living End, and I guess I beat it with the Chess Guy deck. But the, yeah, the Daredevil. I don't know. The whole shell. Every card is fits well and. That deck has impressed me when I've seen it, but it hasn't had like amazing results either yet. So uh, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, you were saying that you went through a bunch of VODs of people who've been playing a lot of the deck and seeing a lot more three twos than you really expected on paper. It's definitely we spoke about this last week. It's like not I mean, we even mentioned this a, a few minutes ago actually. Like it's not the most explosive deck. It's not the most. It's not kind of. It's not like it's turn two, turn three combo killing you. It's just. <sighs> kind of hard to interact with on an axis an axis that a lot of people in modern like to interact like it's it's got really 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 good attrition deck and it's got some nut draws so it looks really flashy from time to time but it's really hard to grind out but i'm sure that you can go over the top of it like like we're saying like mill's really good at probably really good interacting with it like titan probably the same way you know these decks that kind of ignore ignore the kind of fast troll king or the, the troll king attrition strategy like where making a bunch of food doesn't really matter but yeah i'm i'm one i'm curious to see what direction this, this thing goes and i i like this kind of this this deck really leaning on that attrition aspect with the, the four trail of crumbs yeah to be fair it was doom extreme i think a lot of free twos were maybe it was the blue version and maybe he was just trying stuff out and the 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 the, the john version was four finale is is the best uh, version of the deck I know he played in a challenge on Saturday. He went free and free, just you know, not not bad, not great. Um, so he he's my main point of reference for the deck. Yeah, certainly same 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 with me. Do you want to talk about the ninth place deck list or <laughs> scrap chumps like that? Yeah, chumps. Yeah, so I came in ninth on breaker. It was you know it was one person who made it on on five and two or six and two, and as as not not that person. Um, yeah, I I decided to play my living end deck. I was considering playing the John deck, but and it ended up going with the the list I've been working on. I had, you know, the, the flex slots main deck. I was playing two subtleties, two brazen bars, two force of negation, 
and then still for grief and deck was deck's just been really good i played a league for channel fireball i went five and oh i played a league on stream yesterday i went four and one i won every match two except for the match against the food deck where i got swiftly o2'd and yeah the, i thought my list was was really well tuned and deck is is really it does ridiculous things it's good against is it prowess if that deck makes a comeback um it's it's good against a lot of the decks that rely on artifacts as you get these uh these ingatures and foundation breakers force of vigor and whatnot after sideboards so you know there's some some really good matchups probably a few really bad matchups and then some some close-ish decks but yeah decks it's it's sort of fun to play you do you really do some ridiculous things you know i talked about it last week already but yeah. you'll play these games where you go Turn one grief cycle, turn two subtlety cycle cycle, turn three living, and you've literally interacted twice with them, and you get to cast a full, you know, four or five creature living in on turn three, killing their creatures. Sometimes it's, I mean, some games are just like such a joke. Yeah, I, those those games really are reliant on you. Well, no, sorry, no, no, no. Let me let me just let me dial it back a bit. I think previous versions of living and or kind of early iterations of even this deck were quite reliant on your opponent having lots of creatures, having having creatures in play, trying to build a board that you would sweep away with Living End. Whereas like adding Grief means that even if your opponent's not playing to the board and just trying to sit back behind interaction, just being able to interact a couple of times with Griefs and then Living End them back, just like even a smallish or like, you know, two or three creature Living End just continues that axis of interaction and puts pressure on them. So yeah, I, I've been really impressed by the games that this deck looked where the, 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 deck, the games where this deck does its thing, they've been really, it looks really scary to me. And we've had a bit of kind of, we've seen a bit a bit of grief this week uh, between this deck and then also the Black White Reanimated deck that you played a league of, where I, I've been quite impressed with that card, more than I think I was coming out of spoiler season and going into week one, where like last week's episode we were talking a bit about like, oh yeah, these things are like not quite as like, as good as the hype, hype was, but you know, these unfair decks for like, you know, your living end deck or maybe even the reanimated things where we're trying to like Malachi rebirth grief back. I've been there's a lot of a lot of promise in that card, I think. Yeah. It's really good in the shell, is decent with ephemerate. The problem is what what do you play around grief? It's it's still pretty high deck building cost. you mentioned the reanimator deck. That deck was was pretty cool, you know, Thoughtseize, Rebirth for Grief. It's playing one ephemerate. And yeah, you're trying to reanimate Archon of Cruelty. I was also playing the Dati Voidwalker. That's a card that people have really enjoyed playing with. It's it's a cool card. It's it's right there on power level, you know. There's there's a few decks that uses it, but um, yeah, that deck was cool. Sarah's emissary is actually pretty decent. I think I lost the game because I didn't realize that I could just get that against the Affinity deck, and they can't bounce it with a spell bomb. And you have you just name artifacts and then you know all of their creatures are artifacts so that doesn't deal damage and it can't get bounced so that was kind of a cool match and yeah that was a bit better than i thought it still looks you know the everything's a bit too bad you know they all the cards are a little bit too expensive a little bit too slow yeah or you don't have quite enough like redundancy on them like where you're like cool i've got like my entombment my reanimate cards they're pretty good 
they're effectively costed but then the next option is a little bit slow and a little bit crap <laughs> and so yeah. it's not quite enough tools i don't think but i was i think the, the thing it taught me the most is how impressive it was to just kind of use grief as grief plus like a malachy rebirth or ephemerator as kind of disruptive engine around something else that's going on whether it's you know maybe you know reanimate a package or putting Stoneforge into play or maybe you're trying to cast like you know counterspell or ragavans or something like that is actually really effective there, and I yeah. didn't quite expect it to be that good. Yeah, maybe maybe you know we just need to work a bit more on the grief ephemerate package. Maybe it's not straight white black. You know, I, I was thinking about maybe an Esper Esper deck at first. Even well, just maybe seeing, using... sorry, just seeing just seeing it with Malachi Rebirth, you kind of don't need to feel constrained in your second color. I think just having the four Rebirth was enough yeah that's true just rebirth grief was was very decent you also get to persist it you know just bring it back if you grief on turn one and you don't have anything to bring it back you can still persist it on turn two it comes back as a two one you get them again so that's like a small synergy that it, it kind of adds up um still feels maybe a tiny bit underpowered for modern but um yeah that, that deck was was interesting but yeah to go back to living ends uh I, i've been wanting to maybe cut all the brazen bar together i really wish i didn't have to i've never been a huge fan of that card in general and i feel like it's not quite as efficient enough but it is kind of a security blanket gets rid of maybe a chalice main deck and then staring bridge these kind of permanents maybe you know a solitary confinement but it's it's like do you want to have this out or do you want to make your deck as lean as possible and just rely on force of negation cards like grief and subtlety to interact you know and i, I don't have the answer yet one card i've been trying is prismari command that's kind of fairly elegant it's a blue card you can pitch it obviously like draws discard creatures it gets rid of most of the permanents you're worried about game one are, I would say, artifact or two toughness creatures, whether it's, you know, meddling mage, prelate, chalice, and snaring bridge. So Prismari command kind of covers most of your bases. And maybe that card is, is cool. I like these kind of, you know, versatile, yeah, elegant answers to your, to your problems and kind of proactive, you know, you can, you can just fire it off. So that that's a, a cool option. And uh sideboard hasn't changed too too much. I've been I've been liking the one fury. It gets a lot of weird looks because you don't have that many red cards, but I, I've been enjoying playing one fury in some of my decks, even with just four to eight red cards. You know, you, you get to five mana, you can cast it, sometimes you get to pitch it, and the effect's been been really strong for me. So uh I've been impressed by that card. And just trying to find answers to that food matchup, if that food deck is going to be popular. Uh, someone suggested Damping Matrix yesterday, uh, which is cool. It stops all their artifacts. It stops Asmo. It apparently doesn't stop cycling because it only stops abilities of creature when it's in play. I believe uh, that's correct, yeah. For those of you who don't know Damping Matrix, free man artifacts, and it says activated abilities of artifacts and creatures can be activated unless they're mana abilities. So I think you're still allowed to cycle. The downside is they can still bring back the Feasting Troll King because it's in the graveyard and not in, in play. So they get to use the ability, but maybe that card could be good. Maybe just 
playing Leyline of the Void is the answer. I feel like Fairy Metrop should be better because in my head, the way the games are going to play out, you're going to cast a living in and you just need really that one time effect to to make sure they don't bring back like... Because they're usually not bringing back like tons of creature, but just the one Troll King, the one Asmo is good enough. So Yeah, especially since they've got a, Asmo sets up a pretty good answer to your, your whatever board you bring back. It can kind of you know, machine gun down a few creatures and suddenly... The seven six is the biggest thing on board, and you know, your living in wasn't as dominant and, yeah. and game ending as you as you were hoping it would be. Should we should we talk a little bit about uh, Sunday Challenge though? Because I think the yeah, what's I, th- I think the uh, the first place the list uh, the winning list is is pretty interesting, and this is uh, actually your your last round opponent. So you lost to this person playing for top eight. Yeah, this is yeah, a CFT so CFT SOC three. Uh, they're playing Band Ephemerate, and it's got some really interesting choices in it, I think. like this, It's a real toolbox deck, so, I mean, the only four ofs in this deck are four Teferi Time Raveler, four Eternal Witness, four Eldamary's El- Call, and four Ephemerate, and four Aether Vial. And everything else is just, like, ones, twos, there's, like, some meddling mages, some solitudes, a single Wall of Omens, which is, you know, why I thought Gab would like the deck. Uh, three Abundant Harvest, like, a single Prismatic Ending... This is really like a oh, one Stonehorn Dignitary, which is a four mana creature that's when it enters the battlefield, a target opponent skips the next combat phase. Really nice combo with uh, Thassa Deep Dwelling. This kind of feels like a deck that is just like a kind of mishmash of cards and seems strangely effective, though. I mean, your match against it was kind of interesting. You timed out. And <laughs> on paper, you know, I mean, people made the joke, but like, yeah, I think that, that the game was at least in, in, in contest. You know, it was close when it looked like you were going to win for a second there with a couple of minutes on the clock. But then they drew a solitude. Yeah, this deck is like all over the place, I feel. But at the same time, got a lot of interesting choices that are probably worth thinking about. What, my favorite, my personal favorite one of is One Noble Hierarch. That's, that's my favorite bit. Yeah, I'm not sure what's up with the One Hierarch free uh, like, harvest it's a, split. It's, it's, it's the Ben Rubin School of Magic. You just hit the ninth one drop. Well, they're only playing free harvest, so yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that deck is that deck is is cool. Um, playing against it in the last round is pretty frustrating. In the third game, I was stuck on two lands for many, many turns, and I was going through the motions, and I almost came back with my one. I was one fury. They had literally witness Venser and Teferi on one. I drew Fury. I was so tilted, I almost missed it. I almost went to discard. And I was like, oh, I literally get to wipe their entire board with my Fury. And it almost got me back in the game. I think I might have ended up losing the game anyways. Even if I hadn't timed out, it was close. But uh, yeah, really cool build. I've Ever since I've tried the Aether Vial at Ademri's Call shell, I've been a fan. I think this is the best way to build Band Soul Herder. And, you know, they called it their baby on Twitter. They came actually 16th in the Saturday challenge and took the whole thing on Sunday. So uh, congrats to them. And yeah, the, the build is cool. I guess the deck is in a spot where having this toolbox is really good. You've got a lot of strats that maybe fall to the right card. And I think that's that's where that deck is strongest. If, you know, you get paired against Ad Nauseam and all you have to do is resolve a meddling mage, if you get paired against 
one of these graveyard decks and you've got Sanctifier in deck, in deck. If you get paired against a linear creature deck and you can just log them out with Stonehorn, uh, you know, this is when deck like that's going to shine. Uh, whereas if you're playing against more like maybe mid-range battles, control decks, and you have all these like terrible cards in your deck in game one, you, you know, maybe you can still get there, you know, to Fairy Time Raveler. Yeah, just... I was going to say, you got four, four to Fairy Time Raveler yeah. as backdoor outs to any control matchup. So, so many copies of that card. What do you think about Abundant Harvest in a deck like this with so many kind of disparate one-offs? I think it's decent. I think it kind of makes sense with so few one-drops. You still have, you have all your lands that come into play untapped. You have very few other one drops, and if you do have vile, it's kind of good with vile, right? Because if you go vile turn one, you don't care about spending the one man on harvest as badly. So I haven't seen harvest be good in pretty much any deck, but I think it it makes sense in 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 this deck. So I could see it being right. Uh, the next the next couple of decks really, or at least two of the next three decks are kind of a bit of a modern throwback. So in second place, we just have almost. Well, no, entirely stock blue-red prowess, like a deck that Gab was saying, if it comes back, well, here it is coming in second place. You know, absolutely no surprises in this deck. Uh, in third place, we have another Feasting Troll King deck, this one including Finale of Devastation. But in third, in fourth place, we just have, again, straight up Green-White Company, so Heliod Company. Again, no surprises here. So, I mean, a bit of the bit of the kind of like the old guard turning up at the back in the middle of the, the Sunday Challenge. And it even continues down. Like in fifth place, you have a super throwback. You have ancient stirrings, and ancient stirrings like you have um, hardened scales. Should we talk about hardened scales a little bit? Because it's a deck that's kind of gains a lot from Urza's Saga, and there's also a few other additions from the the later set. Like there's a bunch of cards with modular in in Modern Horizons too, including Zabaz, the Glimmer Wasp, and what's the other one? Oh, Power Depot, which is like an artifact land that has modular one. Do you? Have you played against a scales yet, Gab? Yeah, I've played against scales. Was actually Mister Seri was my other loss. Uh, was the Jeskai deck? It was a close matchup. I felt like I should probably have had the edge in the sideboard games, but the deck is you know explosive, can be resilient. Uh, it's been pretty impressive. I've played against it with Living In. I've had a decent time with Living In. You know the the chores, the the graveyard hate or. No, just the artifact hate and stuff. I think yeah, overall, you, you gained a lot post board with with uh, all the foundation breakers and got you against this deck. Yeah, exactly. Ravager still scary, but Hangerback Walker com- comes back and dies. Ballista comes back and dies. So it's it's mostly like Ravager that's scary when you're playing Living in. Yeah, that deck's impressive, and I'm sure it's not. You know, they haven't found the like super optimal version yet. Which lands to play. Etc. Etc. But um... I agree. The mana base is the the shakiest part of this deck at the moment. I think I was counting green sources for ancient stones and hardened scales, and there's thirteen. Yeah, including a one springleaf drum in the main. Yeah, um, you know, it has three copies of Power Depot, the the modular land, but that only adds colored mana for artifact spells or abilities of artifacts. So it's hard to fire off hardened scales and ancient stones early in this deck, which is a bit of a liability. I think trying to find the right the right number of colored sources is going to be a little bit of a test. But yeah, yeah, I will. So, powerful deck. Yeah, it uses Saga well. There's been a lot of talk of what's the best Urza Saga deck or who gains the most from Urza Saga. My my, my initial answer was just the, the Blue-White Affinity deck, just because I don't think that deck would be a deck without Urza Saga. 
whereas the other decks were kind of already around, whether it's Titan, this deck. I will also say, I haven't seen Zabaz. I mean, it's not like I've seen the hundreds of games of that deck being played out, but I haven't seen, you know, Zabaz like anything too, too crazy yet. It's, I'm sure it's a fine addition, but it, I don't think it's, you know, a game changer or anything. It's just a bonus Arcbound worker, right? Yeah. I mean, this deck's already playing four Arcbound workers, a four Arcbound worker for Zabaz. Yeah. But, I was watching um, Canister's stream, and he said that the deck just felt so much worse with a prismatic ending in the format, you know, because if Hardened Scales used to bring to the table that you had the Ozolith and Hardened Scales, like, like that was impossible to interact with, really, without yeah. good cyborg cards. Whereas now with prismatic ending in the format, main deck, you know, your turn one Hardened Scales can be gone, your turn one animation module, whatever, as well as, like, those are really how you stole wins from control, too. So, yeah, and it also exiles Hangerback Walker as well. Yeah, yeah. That's obviously this is just speaking to the power of prismatic ending, but it's a really good point. Like, having main deck answers to the kind of problematic things for, say, a, a reactive deck to interact with does take a little bit of the legs out of this of a deck like this, where you were trying to like interact, kind of make all their interact their, their interaction line up poorly, essentially. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you're going to get that clean out that you want to play a lot of copies of. I mean, I think that. We're seeing that kind of two, three, four, maybe even four copies of Prismatic Ending becoming the norm in, in white-based decks. Even even the kind of mid-range kind of creature decks will play Prismatic Ending too. Yeah. What I want to know is, though, how these Affinity decks play all these tap lands. I just don't really understand how they can afford to do it without Mox Opal. You know, like, I know this deck isn't playing that many. No, it's, it's four playing, like, five. Four? Four? Three power definitely one land or reborn. Yeah, and then and then you have like the actual affinity decks playing thought monitor and stuff, playing like just straight up to, just tap land artifact lands. I'm just wondering how like they do it. I guess because then they just dump on turn two, like two or three things on turn two. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just it kind of taps for one mana on turn one sometimes if you have a turn one frogmite, and then after that it's you get a it basically taps for two mana for the rest of the game. So definitely seems worth it. I mean, I'm guessing if you know, I'm guessing it's right to just play as many artifact lands as you can in the pure affinity deck for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's there's times when it hurts you, but at the same time, I think that yeah, that even taking one turn delay on a, on an ancient tomb or city of traded effect is really really powerful. Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, because of actual affinity, the land still taps for one mana. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think if they think if there was no cards with affinity for artifacts in this deck, they would obviously play zero of them. Yeah. But the the chance of being paid two mana on your frogmites and your thought monitors crazy. and sort of stuff. So you're really... saying that the artifact lands on the ban list are basically ancient tombs. They are. I mean, we've known that since they got printed in originally. Yeah, I might have just found out about that. I'm not yeah. Lie. It was I, when I was like 17 years old, someone told me that they should come into play tapped, and I was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. They're so good. I, I You've just never cast a frogmite on turn one or a mirror enforcer on turn two. It's mm-hmm. just... Yeah, they add so much mana, and they ask so little of you. Yeah, I, I think these... I think the fact that, like, your Dark Steel Citadel is like essentially a colorless land in a deck that's trying to play some colored spells, but you just play it because it adds two mana, essentially, in the right spots, and, yeah, it has all those little synergies here and there, so, like, yeah. Coming to play tapped effect on your Ancient Tomb is, like, nothing... It's it's not not that big of a drawback. Well, I'm just thinking about looking at all these lists... Everything we talk about, bad against Blood Moon, bad against Land Destruction, blah, blah, blah. 
why isn't Monterey Prowess still the best deck? Or like, I feel like people are just not playing it because of the new cards out. And I feel like, honestly, looking at this Monterey Prowess with like Blood Moon just seems insane. Yeah, Monterey Shells in general. I was I was watching Spike breezing through a league with his Phoenix deck. He wasn't playing. I mean, I guess he's a Prowess slash Phoenix deck. He had Blood Moons in the sideboard and. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure why. You know, I mean, I can't. You know, it's kind of funny. I kind of hate Blood Moon, but you know, is Blood Moon the good guy now? Is, <laughs> that, is that what's happening? Yeah, I think so. Modern you, tends to develop these blind spots though relatively often. You, you, like, you, yeah. The, the flavor of the month is one thing, and so things fall out of favor, but then people realize, oh, wait, I really should have been playing, like, you know, Blood Moons, or, for example, or Sony Silences or whatnot. And once they start making their way back into people's people's sideboards and tides change, and right now the flavor of the month is Modern Horizons 2, and people are trying that sort of stuff. But, yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if you both of you were right that, you know, a, a Red Prowess deck is just waiting to be, waiting to take advantage of all these people having a little bit too much fun. You either die a villain or you live long enough to see Blood Moon become the hero. Precisely, yeah. Exactly. Well, the metagame evolves enough to make Blood Moon the hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just quickly uh, going, moving on, I, I suppose, like, uh, sixth place deck is a Yorion Kiki Chord deck with, like, four Om- Omnath in it. So it's just an absolute pile of creatures that I can, again, I can deck I can never quite wrap my head around, but this is another kind of toolbox ephemerate deck that we've seen a lot of here this is a lot more consistent but there's a lot more four ofs in this deck like it has a stoneforge package has fake four solitudes seasoned pyromancer four omnath this is definitely just a pile of magic cards that are all pretty powerful and then a little bit of like you know kiki jiki plus restoration angel backdoor combo kill i don't know this is the sort of deck i would never ever choose to sleeve up but uh, it kind of does well from time to time and i one one thing I really like about the incentives that Yorion places upon you is like, yeah, I want to play a lot of things with come into play effects, and these these toolbox decks love having like things with come into play effects. But at the same time, they're also just like, how can I ever find space space in my deck for all the cute things? They're like, well, I just play eighty cards, and it's kind of they get to have the cake and eat it too. I think, which is really kind of like a fun kind of thing that that the Yorion incentivizes, as opposed to kind of like the you know, when we were looking at like kind of like blue control decks and we're just like, yeah, I'll just play 80 cards because it's a free card and I'll put it in my hand. I'll play a few blink effects, but really it's just a kind of a four or five that I don't have to draw that I can I kill, kill my opponent with and maybe it draws a card. Whereas they, they really, Yorion goes goes all the way in this deck and also enables it. It's like its best friend, but also like sort of its like worst enemy at the same time. Yeah. You're just a really good mid-range check. You have just tons of value. See four season pyro, four omnaf, the Yorion in the mid game. You also have a tiny bit of disruption for maybe the combo decks that are a bit faster than you. If you look at the main deck, the only real kind of hate silver bullet is the one idol on of Rhetoric. You know, no meddling mage, no prelate, no uh, sanctifiers. So I think that's kind of interesting. It makes sense, I think, since you know you're you're probably gonna win mid range matchups. You have you have your own combo kill, and yeah, you might only be really worried about faster combo. I was surprised not to see recruiter, but I guess without ether vial in a deck, maybe recruiter is just too little, too slow, not enough of a board presence. 
Yeah, um, I wouldn't want to spend three mana on that and then have to also high cast a creature that I was tutoring for. Yeah. What I think is the secret combo you guys are missing is there's one Magus in the deck and there's four quarter calling. We yeah. were talking about Blood Moons. Like, what if that's secretly what made this deck good? And yeah. also you got two Blood Moon in the side, so they've got yeah, was... what? Five, seven Blood Moons in the deck post board. Yeah, I was gonna point out the Blood Moons in the sideboard, but I kind of overlooked the the Magus in the board in the main. Yeah. Maybe these yeah, maybe that's a, a key to this deck's success, you're right. Yeah. There's another um there's another eighty card uh ephemera deck in eighth place actually, Miguel Caster. Playing straight well no, playing Jeskai. Jeskai Yorion. But it's like white based, so it's Charming Prince, Flicker Wisp, Giver of Rune, Stoneforge Mystic, Skyclave Apparition, style deck, but it's red cards are Imperial Recruiter, which you know Gab was uh questioning earlier, but uh this deck actually has the four eighth of Isles to go with it. And then it's also it's also got the Magus of the Moon. It's also got the first my first sighting I've actually think of Sanctum Prelate, which is a reprint from Modern Horizons 2, which is uh, a three mana two two. When it comes into play, choose a number and non-creature spells with the, the chosen mana value can't be can't be cast essentially. And it's a card that sees play a lot of play in Legacy, but I haven't seen it uh, in in Modern in in Modern since it's been reprinted. So that's that's another nice nice, nice cool little pickup. One thing yeah. I'd like to kind of flag in this deck, though, is uh, the synergy of Emiria's Call with Solitude. I think that's mm. a really kind of that's an interaction that we like we 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 considered a little bit when we we're tuning, trying to build that black white reanimated deck. Where we we're like, can we play some like Agadine's Awakenings or something like that to to pitch to our grief that also act as you know that act as extra lands and you know this this deck's playing some Emiria's Calls to, to to fill that role with Solitude. I think that's a really nice nice piece of deck building. Yeah, the recruiters are good in this deck because you're lower to the ground and you have all these equipments. So the extra body might come in handy in the in the very grindy games. Yeah, deck looks, you know, list looks fairly clean. I like the one mimic too. The one mimic you can get with recruiter as well. It kind of gets a land, I guess. Um, not not a cool target and. Uh, yeah, pretty good. We we could maybe also talk about the ninth place finisher is a mana symbol. They they were actually streaming the event and they came in ninth with a Velomachus combo, creativity, time War, For those of you who missed the deck in in historic, apparently the deck's playable in modern. You know, kind of a control shell it was Renin Six the Fairy Time Reveler. You got the creativity combo into Savor the Moment or Time Warp, and you know Remand. Lightning Bolt Gross Prowl. Interesting, four Prismari Command in the main deck. It, it obviously turns on your combo, and it's just a card that's pretty decent right now. So that that deck is uh, looks looks very cool too. No, the 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 the, the, the format is, is really fun right now. I've been I've been enjoying it. Lots of things you can do. Uh, I even saw an Enchantress deck duel yesterday. It was Jarvis Hugh playing, and it's a deck I've been dismissing i've been wanting to play it and every time i think about it i feel like it just looks too bad it's gonna have maybe a few good matchups and some terrible matchups but you try not to get your heart broken yeah um yeah just think people have been loving it yeah i've been getting a ton of viewers every time i stream and uh so far it's living up to the hype we'll see when things settle down you know obviously there's a lot of band talk especially urza saga uh, not so much Shardless Sajan or not even really Ragavan yet. 
But uh, Urza Saga has been the, the no the big one that comes back. Is it too good? Should it get banned? Um, I don't have a great answer yet. I feel like the fact that you can disenchant it and the dice to Blood Moon, all these. I mean, you get that's pretty big blowout. You just get your your second land stone right or something for one mana or quote unquote for free. So you know, we'll yeah. see. Well, what do you guys think? Well, I think there's like this, that's the big question hanging over the format is like, what, where does it coalesce to? Like, you know, we've only this is the kind of the first real week of Ragavan results, and it's 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 all over the place. I mean, it won one of the challenges. It's kind of smattered spattered throughout uh, the rest of the the other two top eights. Powerful magic card does, and like we said, like I said earlier on, so so good on turn one on the play, and horribly snowbally that does it suddenly become a mistake to like not be playing with a card like this if you're not choosing to do one of the other broken things like maybe like renin six or urza saga or you know any of these kind of like really 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 like obvious pillars of the modern format at the moment so that's that's something that's, that we need to kind of see how it plays out but you know from my like 10 10 match experience or something casting ragapan when it's on the play when you have it on turn one of the play it is legit and i honestly couldn't I have a hard time imagining playing a playing like a if I was trying to play like a blue deck, I think I would have a hard time omitting red from my deck to not ca- ca- give myself some shot at having Ragavan turn one on the play. It just gives you such an edge in so many matchups, even if you're being reactive. Like it doesn't it's not just like a mono red card. It's a it's 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 all colors of red red all, all flavors of red deck card. And so yeah, that card's really good. Uh where Urza Saga goes, you know, who who can tell? I still think it's a little bit borderline, but you know, it's encouraging to see this week's results say that you know there are other things you can possibly do. So yeah, I'm I'm excited by Modern Horizons. The 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 gloss hasn't worn off for me, and there's I think there's just a few things we have to kind of there's there's some questions looming over over the format at the moment that that are yet to be answered. Honestly, I'm not sure. I thought that the set was strong like really really strong not as strong as modern horizons one but i was thinking that there were going to be a few cards like banned but now that i've had a week to kind of think about it see what the decks are doing i feel like they're all like not even borderline just almost borderline i feel like urza's saga was really good because people didn't know what they're meant to do but now people are playing like you know more appropriate cyborg cards etc i feel like it's not that bad but I feel like these cards, you know, there's just one artifact away. There's just one kind of red spell away from making them all really broken. And I think that's what kind of makes them borderline rather than, I don't know, them just being like, you know, staples in the format. Um, you know, it's kind of like Mox Opal, right? Something got printed, Mox Opal gets banned. I feel like it's this is exact same for these two now. Yeah, not if, when. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Ragavan is more likely to stay because it's just a creature you can kill it. You know, it's kind of like it's really just what the improved Dark Confidant, right? I mean, Dark Confidant wasn't being played because two mana was kind of bad, whereas now Ragavan is like one mana, and then you have to obviously get an attack step in. So I feel like feel like they're really, really good, but also like not not good at the same time. Just they could get banned if they get a buff from something else. 
Yeah, it's hard to say. The, the cards are still really expensive. We don't have great data too for modern. You you look at historic and you know tournaments and arena. You've got these data matrix now from MTG data. For modern, I'm not sure anyone is really compiling stats. What's win rates? Was you know what's the win rate of the card Urza Saga? I don't think Ragavan is. I mean, it's not a great design, but I'm not sure it's too good. You know, you're boarding it out on the play a lot of, or on the draw in a lot of matchups. So that that are you really gonna, you know, is is that really too good of a card if it's not even that good on the draw? Uh, Urza Saga is a different story. You, I don't think you board out Urza Saga. I haven't seen anyone boarding out Urza Saga yet. But uh, Titan seems good. It's it's hard to say too. Like a deck like Titan, it's not in everyone's wheelhouse. Maybe that's just way underplayed and it's just super good. Uh, you know, maybe it'll be the kind of the the Heliod effect where Heliod kind of wasn't necessarily the most played, but it still had the best win rate and also had the you know problems in inherent to Magic Online. You know, there was we've been in COVID lockdown, but there's that you know topic of what would happen if you were actually playing real life modern where you don't have these limitations on the infinite life combo and you don't lose all these games where you just don't gain enough life and end up dying to damage. Um, so it's 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 just hard to say, uh, but maybe maybe we don't have to worry about that. That's kind of what's nice about modern, right? It's just so diverse. There's just so many different decks. Um, you know, maybe at the end of the day, kind of who cares? It's not really a super competitive format. You know, past uh, the weekend challenges and the showcase. So maybe we shouldn't even be worrying about that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you speak of IRL prices. I was just looking at the price of Urza Saga on card market, and it's literally gone down. It was at 30, 30 euros about uh, last episode that we recorded, but now it's down to 16. That's a bargain. So, you should buy it. Yeah. So maybe cards from card market. Maybe people are kind of down on it in general. I mean, Ragavan is still up there. It's like 38 euros. And it's it was like oh to be fair it's fifty last episode so yeah. both both have gone down but I think those were pre order prices as well right so because the cards aren't really out IRL yeah it was pre release last weekend this weekend yeah. is gone yeah okay. yeah maybe, yeah people get got their hand on on the packs and there's also ban fear maybe so maybe people aren't mm. the demand's not quite as high because people are a bit worried their their card will get banned yeah. Yeah, but we're definitely. no we're no financial advice podcast, okay? Just That's want to make that not. clear. <laughs> <laughs> Should we life on the line? Sure, yeah. Okay. Price is right or life on the line first? Ooh. We got the price is right, don't we? Okay. I feel like we just we just did the shill. Yeah, but the price is right is fun. Okay. Okay, fine, fine. Right, right. Let's see what's well pick what's a pick a card then, Gab. All right. I'm gonna pick let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's just go with uh, Solitude, I guess. Solitude. So okay, Mythic, Mythic Rare. All right, I'll go first. So basically, whoever gets closest is, uh, you know, wins. So let's see. Solitude, Mythic Rare, decently played. What was Grief last weekend? I think Grief was like 25 yeah. Sol- Solitude seeing a bit of play. You can't, don't do some research. You don't have to do research in metagame. Yeah. Come on. I'm not doing research. I'm just thinking. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go. No thinking. Thinking outward. Okay. Surprise is right here. Okay. I'm going to go 19 euros. 
Right, 25 euro. I'm going to go 12. What was it again? Easy win for me. Ah, you guys were nice. You could have you could have put me in way more trouble. I felt like it. I would have gone like twenty or twenty one or you guys. You guys. Oh, it's seventeen. Yeah, of course. I yeah. You guys let me win basically. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) If we squeeze you out, like we're already aware that the price is right is like flawed, especially with a three person concept. Like that is absolutely sandwiched. (laughs) Exactly right, or they're fucked. We're just playing the game here. Yeah. Do you want to do should... a card each, or is it just one card? No, no, no. Per no week? We're done. We're done. I, I hate the prices, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, that was the prices right for on Card Market's website. But uh, we got life on the line now. An actual good game show to end off the episode. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But um, what is it for those who are listening? If you don't know what it is, it's a theoretical tournament tomorrow. If you win the event, you live. If you lose, you die. You're going to bring a deck list from every format that we talked about today. So just modern. I'm going to start it off easy. I'm going to go mono red prowess with all Bosch and Blood Moon. I'm just going to catch everyone out. You know, everyone's playing these slow clunky decks. I'll make sure to have like Shattering Spree or something in the sideboard. And uh, some Blood Moons. Harry the Punisher. The Fun Police. Yeah. I ain't dying. I ain't dying. Right. All right. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to go, go with... Go, go. All right, I'm going to go with Living End. Deck's just been so impressive. It has, you know, a bad matchup or two, but it also, you know, lines up well. And, and other than it's been fun, I've been tuning the deck. I'm, I'm going with Living End. Right, I'm going to play uh, the Monkey Blade deck, but I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to cut Counterspell. I'm going to play Mana Leak. I'm going to make the mana a little bit better. I'm going to play a Sacred Foundry and move off of, like, so many Archmage's Charms. And... Um, that's going to give me the flexibility to play Blood Moon in my sideboard. Oh, all right. Sounds all bad right. to me, but yeah, it I, feel like, I feel like but, uh, 4 Charm and the mana to always cast it is a huge appeal to this deck. That's fine. You can not like it. At least if I die, I won't have to play Prices Right again. Dude, you know what we can do? We can do... You only win if you're like... Within one one euro, kind of this way, even you can't just like game someone just for the sake of gaming. Like there's, you don't win if you know what I mean. That's what I've been mm. doing. Like, I, oh, I thought we were doing like the closest. Yeah, the, that's what we were doing. But I was saying to like remove the, you know, the like being able to squeeze people, but you need to get within one euro to actually win, or else no one wins, even if you're the closest. Anyways. Anyway, sorry. I was checking my emails. Gav, where can we find you on the internet? Twitch.tv slash Yellowhead. I stream pretty much every day. Been playing a lot of modern. Might have to go back to Arena soon for the last Ooh. MPL Yeah, I know, MPL League weekend. But uh yeah, that and uh, Twitter at Gavnasif on Twitter. Awesome. You can find me anywhere on the internet at HarrymG. Go check out the YouTube, though. To be fair, I uploaded a video and it got 10k views. Not to float my own boat, but... Wow. Gas, 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 yeah. I think I'm going to edit a video after this or something. But, uh, Pat, where can we find you? You can find me buying cards on Magic Card Market for a very reasonable price. <laughs> nice, yeah. And I guess we should also thank Card Market for supporting the podcast. <laughs> yes, thank, thank you very you. much. You made it this far into this episode, and I guess we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Take care, everyone.